I'd like to make the case this morning that God takes great joy in shining where there is fragility. And many times that fragility shows up in who we are and in the, the things that make up our lives. And it's there that he is able to do that most naturally and able to shine and share his life and his hope through, through us all around us um, in impactful ways, significant ways, ways that and breathe hope all around. And it's a powerful dynamic that has been close to my heart. It has a lot to do with uh, my story. And, uh, you know, it, it has a lot to do with who I am because there have been many times when I've felt unworthy or maybe uh, disqualified from being able to share Jesus naturally. Uh, there have been times in my own life that I've been disappointed in myself where mistakes have been made and I've felt in some way maybe uh, silenced from being able to say, you know what, this is how much Jesus means to me. And it got me thinking of uh, an incident in my life that happened early on in my involvement here. And, I, you know, I oftentimes refer to these years in my life because in many ways they were formative years. They, they meant a lot. They shaped me in significant ways. And it was early on, I was around 19 years old, I uh, decided I felt uh, the, the compelled to plug into the youth ministry and serve there. And uh, I remember stepping into the ministry and first setting up chairs and gradually building relationships with the students and uh, wanting so badly to encourage them and breathe life into them and speak hope over them. And uh, I remember being given the opportunity on occasion to teach and to prepare lessons. And what ended up happening is as I was given this opportunity more frequently, uh, leading into these lessons, a thought started appearing within me, which is uh, a simple thought. She says, Lewis, if they knew uh, where you came from, they wouldn't allow you to do this. If they knew the baggage you carried, you wouldn't be allowed to do this. And at first, I was th I, it was kind of one of those things that just kind of came at me, and I just quickly shoved aside and was like, well, you know, that kind of, uh, that's not true. I mean, that's why I believe in Jesus. He covers all of that. But if, for whatever reason, it gained momentum. And and it's almost as if the more I was, the more bold I became, the louder that thought became. And, uh, and it got to the point where it really bothered me. And so I decided, you know what, I need to find out if this is true or not. And I, I did something uh, that was really risky. I, I decided to talk with the youth leader who was uh, overseeing the ministry at the time. And I called him and asked him. And I told him, you know, I, I'm feeling pretty, um, I, I'm feeling like I need to be honest with you about, about stuff. I need to share where I've been, and I need to share stuff that I feel is weighing on me, because I don't know if this is the best place for me. And uh, in many ways, I had surrendered to the reality that once I shared stuff, what would be said is, you're right. Um, thanks for sharing, and now there's the door, and uh, go ahead and leave peacefully. And, uh, you know, I remember thinking this, and he says, you know what, go ahead, come on over. I'll put the kids down to sleep, the family will be asleep, and we'll just have time to talk. Why don't you come on over? And so I did, I, and as I was driving there, uh, something else entered my mind. Uh, go home. Uh, uh, what, what are you doing? And, uh, and I remember just driving there thinking, this is crazy. And so I remember stepping into the house and sitting down with him, and, and now I was very nervous, and my heartbeat was very loud and fast, and sweat was coming out all around me. And I remember just starting to realize, kind of step back and backpedal, and I decided small talk's the way to go. 
And uh, so past 9 p.m., we're sitting in his uh, basement in his house, and I start to have small talk. How are you doing? How are things going? <laughs> and uh, and uh, over you know, that conversation, he, he, he comes to a point and says, well, Louis, you, you asked to meet with me. My family's asleep. Um, what's going on? And uh, I said, well, all right. And I said, when I was this age, this happened. And I was kind of a teaser, a feeler, something light to see the response, whether or not I'll eject this mission or not. And I remember just putting it out there and didn't really receive anything, uh, any emotive response except a listening ear. And, and so I said, a little more. And testing the waters kind of with trepidation, stepped into it, it started sharing more and more. And it was almost as if momentum caught me and a floodgate was opened. And what I had been carrying around, I, mean, I was 19, so in retrospect, may not have been a lot. But for a 19-year-old, for me, it was. And I remember just sharing and just in some ways feeling extreme freedom and relief. And along the way, what I expected was a judgmental look what I expected was the confirmation of my fear. Uh, this is the wrong place for you. Uh, this is not the place for you to be. You actually aren't good enough. But what I received was uh, quite the contrary. What I received was a, a, a tear-filled man. And I remember sharing more and more and feeling extreme freedom as I was sharing. And I remember also seeing the compassion in this man's eyes. And I remember seeing uh, real love there. Uh, wasn't much of a relationship there before this. But as I was sharing, he put his hand on me and he said something to the extent of, I've been there. We'll get through this. Thanks for sharing. Let me pray for you. And uh, I was shocked. And I remember driving home thinking, wow, maybe what the scriptures say is true. Maybe there is grace enough even for me. And I remember driving home and calling him over the course of time, becoming much more comfortable going to him whenever I felt uh, any vulnerability or felt in any way uh, lacking in confidence to be able to do what I felt God had put on my heart to do and having conversations over with him. And over time, he was uh, very courageous in revealing his, his ability to identify with what I had walked through, what I was currently walking through. And, and as he revealed that, he gave me a tremendous gift because this man that I highly respected and looked up to was able to say, listen, we're, we have been there. And let me point you to the one who is able to strengthen you. Let me point you to the one who is able to shine through you. Let me point you to the one who is able to give you what you lack. And over time and over that course of that relationship and the discussions and conversations, what I ended up discovering is that following Jesus is not about eliminating weakness. And it is not about eliminating struggle or hiding it or pretending that it's not there. It's in many ways about learning how to depend in the Lord in the midst of them. And it's learning how to access his strength and his power for our lives as we face the reality of the condition of who we are. It was a tremendous gift. And it began for me a journey that, that has done a tremendous work of life and hope. 
because that person decided to share naturally with me. And I'll tell you, I share that with you here this morning because I wonder how many of us have countless opportunities with people around us who look up to us, whom we have favor with, who, whom we have influence with, who, who respect us, that when we call, they, they answer and are able to respond. And they're open to our words. And I wonder how many of us, if, if we do not prevent it, we can allow them, if we do not make the distinction between who we are and who the light is that shines within us, we may allow them to so easily step, step into what most of us could easily assume, that the blessing that's occurring in his life or the wholeness that's occurring in her life or what I see that is shining through them, it is them. And it's not available to me. And I wonder how many of us have those opportunities where people may wrongly assume that they do not have the access that truly is there. I think it's also important for us to think on this because some of us are maybe walking through current struggles. Some of us right now may be feeling quite discouraged, weak, fragile, disappointed. And the reality of what we're walking through may make some of us feel like, you know what, I've been hearing about this desire to shine. I've been hearing about this desire to share naturally about Jesus, but I feel so unworthy to do it. And I feel like I can't do it. And I just want to say this morning, perhaps God may want to say to us, hey, that's not your job. It's my job to shine. It's your job to let me do it. And God may want to remind us and strengthen us in the reality that it's right there when we feel, when we are walking through those significant issues in life that God is able, in fact, he takes great joy in shining through us, through the cracks of who we are, through the weaknesses and the disappointments and shortcomings. It's there that his light is able to penetrate. It's a powerful dynamic, one, one that I believe is is very well represented through a passage we're going to be looking at. In fact, if you open up your handout, we're going to be looking at a passage in 2 Corinthians 4, and it's a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And he wants to establish, he wants to clarify some things among them about who he is and, and who he's not and about who we are and who we're not. And he decides to enter this passage, and he, he writes to them, he says, you see, we, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We, we're not about elevating our name. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's who we talk about. That's the center of our discussion. His status is what's most important to us. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. He, he's the main attraction. Just to clarify and just to set things right, we are all about discussing him, elevating him. We're secondary. And we get to go along in the journey. That is who we are, and that is who he is. And here's why. Verse 6, for God, God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. And Paul is reaching back to the very beginning of creation, isn't he? He's making the connection to the very story in Genesis about God stepping into the chaotic darkness, the void that existed in which he spoke light into being. What created the cosmos around us started there. 
And he's saying, listen, the one who spoke, spoke order and life and creativity into the beginning of time, he has done this once again. And the new creation, new life, new genesis is occurring right now in our midst, except this time it's not happening all around us. It's happening within the human condition. And the moment someone receives Jesus, light is spoken into their heart. And whatever chaotic darkness was revolving there, it is set in divine order by the creative force, the power that spoke all everything into existence. It now, he now is doing it through his son, through Jesus in us. Powerful. This is why Jesus is the one we talk most about. This is why we become reflections of him. We become secondary to him. He is primary in our conversations. Verse 7, he says, now, now just to make this clear, the distinction a little bit more crystal in terms of where we stand and where he is and what the beauty of this is, he says in verse 7, we now have this light shining in our hearts. This light has been deposited within us, but we ourselves, and then here it is, he makes this phrase about us. We ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear, he says, that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. He's making it extremely distinct, clear who we are and who God is. What the treasure is, is the light shining through us when we receive Jesus into our lives. And it reminds me, you know, it reminds me of a, an incident in Jesus' life. It, an incident in his ministry towards the latter years of his ministry, the latter time of his ministry, a woman by the name of Mary came to him. And we're told in the scriptures that this Mary had a, a jar of clay, a vessel filled with expensive perfume, valuable perfume. We're told that it's comparable to a year's worth of wages. And she came to Jesus and bowed low at his feet, broke the jar and released the fragrant perfume and rubbed his feet and kissed his feet and worshipped him. And it created such a controversy because of the value of what she had done, the extravagant love that she had just demonstrated. And many people in Jesus' circle, some of them said, you know what, listen, that could have been sold. It could have been used. That valuable treasure could have been used to feed the poor. And Jesus steps in and says, no, listen, what... Let her be for what she has done. It is good. See, Paul was speaking to an audience. The people of Corinth were familiar with what it's like to fill ordinary jars of clay with valuable treasure, exquisite things. And it's almost as if he's saying this. You can think in your house of the different jars of clay that you have filled with fragrant oils, with perfumes, with spices that are valuable in our society. And though that jar of clay by itself may not be worth much, the minute you put treasure in it, its value is elevated dramatically. And the jar becomes valuable not because of the jar, but because of what's inside of it. And in like manner, you, us, we are a jar, but we're not filled with perfume. We're not filled with fragrant oils. We're not filled with anything of monetary value. No, we're filled with something far more worthy, the very spirit of God. Think of the value you now have, that God deemed you worth 
pouring his life, his light. Think of the value he has in you. And as he sets that, he turns it. He says, let me share with you honestly. Let me share honestly and openly about the fragility of who I am, Paul says. And we get to hear now the depths of Paul's soul, which becomes, in my opinion, one of the great passages, the inspiring passages of how this plays out in our lives. He says in verse 8, listen, we, we are pressed on every side by troubles. I am under tremendous pressure. Make no mistake of it. I am well aware of how much pressure I carry, things that keep me up at night, things that bother me, but we are not crushed. This fragile jar, it is not overcome. We are perplexed. I'm confused. I don't understand everything that's going on. I'm pursuing the mission God has set me on, and yet I have obstacles and challenges, but I am never driven to despair. I do not lose my hope, for my hope is in the one who dwells within me. We are hunted down. We are hunted down, persecuted, another translation says, but never abandoned by God. Oh, I have walked the walk of struggle and suffering. I have felt pressure. I have felt what it looks like to be alone in this life, walking through things that only I understand, and yet God is right there with me. I have not been in any way abandoned by God. We get knocked down both emotionally and physically, but we are not destroyed. God gives me the strength to rise back up. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Listen, we are well aware of our fragility. We are well aware of our lack. But in that, I'll tell you, God has shined. And oh, what a magnificent light he is beaming. What a beautiful thing he is doing. That though we are going through the reality of life, his power dwells within us. Some of us, that is our word. That is what God would have us receive, embrace, hold on to. And if that was it, if that is what we received this morning, that would be good. If that is what we needed to hold on to, if we stepped into this place this morning, knowing that we needed to be strengthened by this reality, that would be good in itself. However, in light, in light of what we've been moving and talking and, and walking through, I'd like us to look at this passage through a certain lens that may apply to us being able to share more naturally. I'd like to put a couple things on the board. And firstly, I'd like to say that Paul's words remind us that we're all fragile. We're all fragile. See, the fragile jars of clay description, it, it does fit us. It fits us well. Because we all have points of weakness, points of vulnerability. We all have struggles, walk through, and all of us, not one of us are without these things. The truth of the matter is, the strongest of us, the best of us, have points that if certain but buttons were pushed, our true strength would be exposed. If we were to lose certain things... If our jobs were taken from us, financial security was stripped from us, if certain relationships were undermined and struggle invaded those relationships, weakness would rush to the forefront of who we are. Struggle would rush to the forefront of our strength. And we would quickly become familiar with how little strength we thought we truly had. So we are all fragile. And for many of us, for many of us, this, in many ways, can be a breath of fresh air. 
Because when we embrace the reality that we, our role is to be who we're created to be, a vessel of the light, not the light itself. We no longer have to pretend. We no longer have to cover up or hide or sweep things under the rug. We no longer have to put on a facade of something we're not. We are set free to be able to say, yep, I'm fragile. But in the reality of my fragility, guess what? There is power in my life. Power I cannot claim as my own, but power that God has decided to give. And we are now able to identify with those around us in far greater levels. Because what happens is that the more familiar we become with our need, the more grace we receive. And so if we need wisdom, we ask for it, and he gives it freely. And if we need strength and courage, he lovingly steps in and provides where we end. And the beautiful thing is that as we do this, what happens is that in a very real way, God's light spoken into us is able to transform our fragile places into opportunities for his grace to show up, which is our second thought here. That our fragile places are opportunities for God's grace to show up. And oftentimes I found in my own life that if I allow these places, these vulnerabilities, these struggles to drive me to Christ, though I would never wish it, though I would ask for it to be taken from me, though I receive it first as a curse perhaps or as something that I do not want and maybe even want to avoid or deny, what ends up happening is if I allow it to drive me to the feet of Christ, I am able then to receive tremendous grace. And God is able to flip what we receive as something negative and create it into an opportunity for his power to show up. And many times, like Paul, was able to, in one instance, when he had a thorn on his side, he was able to say, listen, God, deliver me. And God said, no, 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 I won't. Because here is where, in your weakness, there I am strong. And then Paul turned it all around and he said, listen, if that's the truth, then I take glory in my weakness. For when I am weak, then I am strong then I'm strong. And though I am under pressure, I will not be crushed. And though I don't understand everything, I hope in the one who lives. And though I am knocked down, maybe God may want to say to us, you may not feel like you can get back up, but listen, I will help you get back up. And you will not be overcome. Perhaps some of us, the things we are fighting against, perhaps God may want us to let that drive us to his throne of grace, that his light would empower our fragile jars of clay. And when we do this, something amazing happens. In our relationships, we are then able, we are then able in many ways to share naturally because our fragile places, this is the, our final thought here, is that our fragile places, they become, they make us far more accessible. See, when we receive this, what happens is really we, we lose our pride. We let it go. We no longer have to pretend. We become much more usable by God, much more willing to be able to talk about Him. The way we talk about Him changes. The way we look at others changes. We gain sympathy for those who struggle around us. We gain compassion and mercy and grace. And as we recognize that we are the vessel, think about it. We can step into other people's lives, other people 
who may look up to us, whom we have respect with, and we can stand next to them and say, hey, this is not mine. I can understand your struggle. We can step. I've been where you are. We will get through this. He is the one who is able. You can see, I remember that conversation we had. In essence, at the end of the day, what I was told was this, Lewis, it's not that you're unworthy. It's that he is worthy. And what that person was able to do as he courageously exposed his own fragility was he didn't take anything away. He gave me a tremendous gift. That what he had, what I saw shining through him, was available to me as well. And how many of us, if we are willing to courageously have real conversations and be able to say, this is not me, whatever you see that is good, that is life-giving, that is hope-filled, whatever, if anything you see that you admire here, let me just tell you what, we are the same. He is the one who has made the difference. He is the one. And though we may feel unworthy, he is worthy. And though we feel weak, he is strong. And though we may feel like we're losing grip, he holds on. And though we may feel knocked down, he rises up back again. And the beauty of it is that those around us then are able to have access to the magnificent light that shines within us. We are then able to share naturally at our most natural sense. We are no different. We have just been deposited with great treasure. And that is the truth. May God give us the strength, the courage, the humility to share naturally about who we are and about who he is. May we hold on to him if we're in the midst of struggle. As he holds on to us, may we encourage others to hold on. In fact, the closing song we're going to be sharing with the, as the band will come back up, it's called just that. It's called Hold On. And I love this song. It's a song I think some of us need to claim, embrace. Some of us need to share. The chorus says this, love is going to make it right. Just, just hold on. Just, just hold on. It's his love. There's mercy in the morning light. And then my favorite line, when, we're, when you're weak, Love is strong, treasure in fragile jars. Would you hold on and would you allow him to shine? May this be the case. May he shine in us, may he shine through us, may he shine all around us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. I thank you, God, that you, uh, you're the source of life. You're the source of light. You're the source of power and joy, and you're the source of strength. I thank you, God, that you've never put that on us, but that you've chosen to step into the reality of who we are, and you take joy in shining through us, God. And I pray, God, that you would give us the courage to lay down our guard in many ways, to share the cracks of our lives in such a way that your light is able to penetrate and shine. And I do also pray, God, for your light to bring greater points of wholeness within our lives, to bring greater points of strength within our lives, that we may be able to join with Paul in saying, the truth is I'm under pressure. Oh, but I am not crushed because your power dwells within us, God. Your light shines within us, and I thank you that you hold on to us. Help us do the same. Hold on to you. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.